Chapter One of Her Benny. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Lorraine Paquette. Her Benny by Silas Hawking. Chapter One Brother and Sister. Perhaps while in our glowing grate the cheerful blaze is rising higher, there's someone sitting desolate without a spark of fire oh what are we that god hath blessed our winter homes and made them glad while other hearts are sore distressed while other homes are sad it was getting dark though the town hall had only just struck four but a fog had hung all over liverpool since morning and everything was as damp and dismal as it well could be and now as evening came on the fog had settled into a downright drizzle, converting the streets into what seemed to Nellie Bates, who was crouched in the shadow of St. George's Church, to be endless puddles. "'I wish Benny would come,' said she to herself. "'I wonder what has kept him. He said he'd be here when the clock struck four. And she wrapped her tattered clothes more closely around her, and looked eagerly down Lord Street and up and down Castle Street, but no Benny appeared in sight. I'm glad as how they's lighting the lamps, anyhow. It'll make it feel a bit warmer, I reckon, she went on, for it's terrible cold. But Benny won't be long now, no how. I hope he's sold all his foosies. And she looked wistfully at the unsold matches lying in her lap. Then, after a pause, she went on again. I's had desperate bad luck to-day. I reckon the gentleman thinks it's too much trouble to take off their gloves to get at the coppers. I wonder if they know what it is to be cold and hungry like me. And the child moved a little farther into the shadow of the church to escape the keen cold blast that swept up from the river. Little Nellie Bates was a delicate-looking child with a pale thoughtful face and big round dreamy-looking eyes. She had none of that wolfish expression which so often characterizes the street Arabs of our large towns and cities. On the contrary, there was an air of refinement about her that was difficult to account for. Poor little waif, her own mother she could not remember. She had only known a stepmother, a cruel, drunken woman, and, alas, her father was no better. Almost as soon as she could walk, she had been sent into the streets with her brother Benny, who was a year older, to get her living as best she could. Never knowing a parent's love, the affections of these two children had gone out to each other. Each to each was more than all the world beside. At the time our story opens, Nellie was nine years of age, and Benny, as we said, a year older. Still the minutes dragged along, and Benny came not. The buses were crowded with people outside and in, wrapped in huge warm overcoats, and all down Lord Street she watched the hurrying crowds bending their steps homewards, and she tried to picture their cheerful homes with great blazing fires and happy children running to greet them, and wondered how none of them ever paused to notice her shivering there in the shadow of the church. At length the great clocks all around began to strike five, and Benny had not come. And into the child's heart crept a feeling of unutterable loneliness, 
and she began to cry. Besides, she was hungry and cold, and there was a great fear in her heart that something had befallen her brother. The last stroke of the town hall clock, however, had scarcely died away when she heard the patter of bare feet around the corner, and the next moment her brother, panting and breathless, stood before her. Oh, Nell, he burst out, I's just soft, I is. I's missed an hour in the time. I never did think I was sich a fool, but can't be helped now, no how. I was afraid you'd got hurt, Benny, but I don't care now you're all right, said Nelly, looking proudly at the flushed face of her sturdy young brother. Me hurt? Oh, never fear. I knows how to take care of myself. But what luck, Nell? Bad, Benny, very bad. Nobody wanted matches today. For a moment, Benny was silent, then he burst out. By golly, Nell, what's us to do? You know what the governor said when we came away this morning. Ay, said Nelly, but have you had bad luck too? Horful, Nell, simply horful. And for a moment the children looked at each other in blank dismay. Just then a gentleman was seen crossing the street carrying a portmantle. Here's a gent with a portmantle, whispered Benny to his sister. I'll try my luck. Follow me, Nell, as quick as you can. And off he darted across the street. Carry your bag, sir, he said, stepping in front of the gentleman. And there was something very appealing in his tone as he spoke. The gentleman looked kindly down into the two honest-looking eyes that flashed in the gaslight. "'What will you take the bag to the ferry for?' he inquired. "'For what you please to give,' said Benny sturdily. "'Times is bad at present, and little chaps like us is glad to have what we catches.' "'Oh, that's it, is it? But I'm afraid this bag is too heavy for you.' "'Oh, never fear,' said Benny, as he got hold of the portmantle. Eyes mazing strong, and I can carry this like Winkin. And he trotted down the street before the gentleman in a way that showed he was in earnest about the matter. The gentleman looked after the little fellow with an amused smile, but volunteered no further remark. Meanwhile, little Nelly, who had become stiff and cramped with cold, followed at a little distance, taking care, however, that Benny did not get out of her sight. On reaching the bridge that led down to the landing stage, Benny turned round and, seeing his sister behind, shouted back, "'Stay here, Nell, till I come back. I'll be no time scarce.' And down the bridge he trotted, evidently glad that he was so near laying down his burden. "'Woodside boat, sir?' said he, turning round to the gentleman. "'Yes, my lad. Here he is, then, just in time.' And down the gangway he went at a sharp trot, and into the saloon, letting the bag down on one of the seats with a thump. There you be, sir. Couldn't have been sarved quicker by a bigger chap. All right, my little fellow, and he held out his hand. Benny's eyes gleamed as he caught sight of something white between the gentleman's finger and thumb. Be jabbers, it's a thirpenny, was his mental soliloquy, as he eagerly clutched the coin, and bowing his thanks as politely as he knew how, he dashed up the gangway with the fleetness of the wind, muttering to himself, Shouldn't wonder if it were a four-penny arter all. 
standing under a lamp he took the coin out of his mouth and looked at it oh glory he ejaculated if it ain't half a bob murder and turf this are a catch and he turned two somersaults on the stage by way of expressing his delight unfortunately however planting his foot in his second revolution in the stomach of a young gentleman who was hurrying down to catch the boat the gentleman soon recovered his sudden loss of wind though the dirty footprint on his immaculate coat was not so easily removed beg pardon said benny in a fright and hurried away just in time to escape a vigorous kick aimed at him by the infuriated young gentleman my stars and stockings he soliloquized as he hurried up the bridge to join his sister if he did a catch me i'd a got a wallopin and no mistake hallo nell what's a matter he said as he saw great tears on the cheeks of his little crouching sister i so cold benny oh so very cold sobbed the little girl never mind nelly i'll soon get you warmed up look here i's got half a bob and a good warming into the bargain now for a roast tater my gal and you'll feel as right as ninepence and taking his sister by the hand they hurried away at a quick trot lessening their pace only when they were quite out of breath and nelly declared she was quite warm here's the tater man said benny now for it my gal penrith of tater's hot plays and a good sprinkle of salt said benny with quite an air of importance all right my young gent here you are and the man put three moderate-sized potatoes into benny's outstretched palms now for old joe's fire nail where the roads is amendin and once more they hurried away at the same quick trot in the next street they caught sight of the glowing grate of joe rag the night watchman and of joe himself sitting in the doorway of his little wooden hut you ax him nell whispered benny he winna say no to you may we eat our taters by your fire joe said the plaintive voice of little nelly as she placed her tiny hand on the fence on which a red light was burning what dost to say little woman said joe in a rough though not unkindly voice may we eat our taters by your fire please benny and me ay my little arties come along i'll make room for ee here and honest old joe moved aside to make room for the little waifs who sought shelter from the biting cold by golly now said benny as he felt the grateful warmth of the fire and dug his teeth into the potato ain't this sumptuous ay benny was all the child's answer as she greedily devoured the two potatoes that benny had insisted was her share then there was silence between them for a while and joe went out and heaped more fuel on the grate while nelly kept her eyes steadily fixed on the fire what did the child see as she gazed into its glowing depths for ever and anon a sweet smile played around the corners of her mouth and spread over her pale thoughtful face lighting it up with a wonderful beauty and smoothing out the lines of care that at other times were only too visible meanwhile benny was busily engaged counting his money 
fourpence he laid aside for the purpose of purchasing stock for the morrow's sale a penny he had spent in potatoes and still he had threepence to the good besides the sixpence the gentleman gave him which was clear profit the sixpence was evidently a great prize to him for he looked at it long and earnestly wish i could keep it for myself he muttered but it's no go the governor will ave to ave it but the coppers i'll keep gainst bad times here now he said nudging his sister you keep these ere coppers and then if the governor axes me if i has any more i can tell him no all right benny and again the great round eyes sought the glowing grate and the sweet smile played over her face once more what are ye looking at now said benny after a pause you look as appy as a dead duck in a saucepan oh benny i see such beautiful pictures in the fire don't you members on fine days how he looks across the river and sees the great hills way behind birkenhead such miles and miles away ay ay members i'll take ye across the river some day now when i's richer will ye benny i shall be so glad but i sees great hills in the fire and trees and pools and little rivers and oh such lots of purty things queer said benny i don't see not a sort then there was silence again and joe who had been to see that the lamps at each end of the torn-up streets were all right came up how are ye now my arties are ye warmer n you was ay joe we's nice now said nelly and we's much obliged to you for lettin us come oh you're welcome but ain't it time you was to home what's o'clock said benny seven all to a minute or so ay then we must be off said the children in chorus and wishing joe good-night they darted off into the wet cold street and disappeared in the gloom purty little angel said joe as he stood looking up the street long after they had disappeared i wonder what will become of her when she grows up End of chapter one